Hello, beautiful souls. We bring you conscious content filled with empowering information. Designed to align you with the fulfilling freedom of activated awareness. I am Rachel Alcyon. And I am Daniel Alcyon. Welcome to the Ecstatic Existence Podcast. Hello once again, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Ecstatic Existence Podcast. I am Daniel Alcyon, and by my side is my lovely wife. I'm Rachel. We bring you leaders in health, spirituality, and the metaphysical. Today we have an absolutely fantastic guest for you. Ahmad Blair Brown is a seasoned metaphysician with experience as a counselor, fitness trainer, grief counselor, inspirational speaker, and meditation instructor. Ahmad is best known for his inspirational series, Reminder to Self, that is broadcast through his YouTube channel, We Meditate. Ahmad is currently serving as a youth director in the religious science community in Oakland, California, and he's currently putting the finishing touches on his first meditation curriculum that will be launched this fall. Welcome, Ahmad, to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. We were having so much fun before we started uh, rolling, and I just am like on the edge of my seat to see what we get into today. Well, I got to tell you, I'm super excited because every guest we have on, I have them send me a little main topic of what they, they plan to discuss because we got to know where this ship is headed, you know? And <laughs> as soon as I read Ahmad's topic, I was like, oh man, we got a real home run here. His main topic discussion is meditation, mythology, and methodology, a discussion on the 12 powers of cognitive brain function and their relation to mythological archetypes and the bridging gap of meditation. As soon as I read that, I was like, oh, we're in for a treat. Yeah. This is good. Whoa. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, definitely a treat. You know, I'm definitely here to serve. And, you know, I want to get as deep as I possibly can. So that we could uh, penetrate, you know, within ourselves and uh, know thyself, <laughs> you know, a whole lot more. And I believe that uh, the processes of meditation and understanding how the mind works in a very practical way, you know, can uh, give us some very, very empowering tools to uh, let, not let us just meditate for the sake of meditating, but meditate for the sake of transformation. Once we get to a place of transformation, that's when we will know that we have actually done some sense of real spiritual work. And so, um, you know, the type of information that I want to provide today is for those who want to do work, you know, who want to change, who want to become better. I'm all about that. And so I know that the ecstatic existence is as well. So, you know, how shall we proceed, Brother Dan? <laughs> oh, man. So first off, I want to say there's a real resonance there because I firmly believe the exact same as you in the tools, the tangible tools and techniques. I mean, there's so much fluff out there. You can have people talking concept to you all day long. You know, there's like hundreds of hours of people just talking concept that you could find on YouTube right now. But now you're talking about tangible results. You're talking about actual transformation. When do you see these concepts into physical reality actually making a difference in your life? That's what I'm about. So let's start getting into that. You're talking meditation, mythology, and methodology. What are some of these methods, the methodology, that you use in an approach to meditation? Okay, well, for one, uh, the basic method is, yes, in meditation, as meditation. Uh, and that's a catchphrase that I always use. Meditation in and as. And so um, when doing the in and as meditation, I find any way I can to meditate. 
Meaning that I know that meditation is an intention and not just a action. When you think of the word meditation, you know, instantly, you know, may people experience and people who are inexperienced, they think what? The sitting in a posture. You know, they think of a certain essence that a person should have. You know, they think of, oh, that's something outside of the church. You know, there's always just some direct, you know, opinion that someone has that's always associated with the stereotype. And so the stereotype, though, is about being still. You know, the stereotype is about being ethereal. The stereotype is about being transcendent. And so the key is here, how can we get to those places in the most effective, efficient, and accessible ways possible? And so when, for me, when I transition to the as, I find a way to get into the intention of meditation more than anything else. So what am I saying in all of this talk? I'm saying I find a way to get into a focus or get into a trance any and everywhere that I have a still moment. Let's say uh, you ride on the train. I have a 30-minute ride to work every day on my train. Within those 30 minutes, I find 15 minutes to meditate while I'm around people. Because what do I do? I'll find someone with a nice pair of shoes on that I like, and I will just stare at that person's shoes. <laughs> and as I stare at that person's shoes, I find myself falling into a trance because what am I doing? Staring at the shoes and what? My thoughts stop. And that's always the object of meditation, to get your thoughts to turn off the mental chatter so you could find a place of peace. One tool we can use is that limitation of other stimulus. You know, you, you use this focusing on the shoes as now you have a fixation point of instead of looking at the 5,000 things that are going on on the bus, and not only the person's shoes, but their whole outfit and the person next to them and the, you know, the scenery going by, but now you're just looking at the shoes. You've limited all this overstimulation down to a singular point. And then that's that transition point, that kickoff point where you go into real stillness and meditation. Exactly. And see, one of the easy ways, though, that I've managed to get there is um, not just because I practice so hard, it's because I actually have practical knowledge. And so the methodology gets into, you know, some of the knowledge that you have. So let me give you some of that for a second here. Meditation, mythology, and methodology discussing the 12 powers of cognitive brain function. So speaking of these 12 powers here, this uh, number 12 has uh, many, many layers of scientific and metaphysical meanings and associations that we could all use to help um, our mental focus. Uh, and I'm sorry, I know I'm stumbling here because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm itching to say it so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't wait to get that good stuff out, man. I know, right? I just, I, oh my gosh. All right, here we go. So part of the 12 powers of your, of your brain, I'm going to just give the 12 first off. You got your olfactory, your optic, your ocular motor, your trochlear, uh, trimineal, ab abdomens, your uh, facial, auditory, your glossopharyngeal, your vagus, or vagus, spinal accessory, and your hippoglossal. Now, these 12 glands control all of the major functions of your entire body, the actual functions, how you move and operate through this world. So these 12 particular sections of the brain, they all communicate, you know, within a network. And this network is all through your neurons firing electrical symbols, our electrical sparks. These electrical sparks all have the codes of what is literally going on in your metaphysical or your spiritual self. Your wow. spiritual side is sending you these codes and they're actually being scientifically transmitted through your body as electromagnetic waves 
uh, between all of your cranial nerves. And so once we further examine the um, how this system works, we actually see that these electrical sparks are actually fragments or fractions of light, like actual L-I-G-H-T. When you turn the light on, that's the same thing that's happening inside your brain. You know, that's why all of these cliches exist, you know, with uh, oh, uh, yeah, you the, know, light oh, the light bulb went off when right. you had a good idea. Uh, that's literally a, a divine moment or a divine event because what has happened is these 12 powers of your brain have actually come together to create a new center point or a new focus point of access so a message can be transmitted. And when a message is transmitted and application is applied, this is when you begin the work of transformation. These 12 functions operate all together in mythology as well. Uh, one of the primary mythologies that, again, from the communities that I come from, you know, that helped me change to get me to this place is in Christianity. A part of those layered mythologies, you know, you see Jesus with his what? Twelve disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, these twelve disciples actually represent certain aspects of a particular behavior, a physical behavior that a person should have that should represent, quote unquote, righteousness. Now, again, I'm not about to, you know, promote like that type of agenda or anything. But for the practical sake of the associations that have been made, this is actually universal. The universal practicality of the 12 powers or these 12 disciples match up with a particular cranial nerve of the brain. And here's a first layer of it. Of the 12 powers, we have what is called faith. Now, faith is the imagination, and the imagination is actually the access to the higher self, how we actually get to the place of the higher self. Practically, that is what is called a Peter or the center of the brain. The aspect of strength who is uh, identified as Andrew, is actually identified with the loins of the brain. Uh, the loins of the brain is the hippoglossal. The aspect of wisdom, the son of James, which is called Zebedee, which is talking about the pit of the stomach, and that is dealing with the, uh, the spinal accessory. Just continue on to say it faster. We have love, who is John, power, Philip, imagination of Bartholomew, understanding of Thomas, Will of Matthew, the order of James, the zeal of Simon, the elimination of Thaddeus, and the life of Judas. Now, these 12 powers are not just these abstract um, things that have come from the Bible. These 12 powers, once we peel back another layer, actually represent um, the layers on the Kabbalah or on the uh, uh, Kalipoff as well. So these 12 layers then tap into some of the metaphysical secrets that deal with the ancient arts. Yeah, this is awesome that you bring this back into the Kabbalah, because even some of these principles that you mention, as in strength, as wisdom. in wisdom, as in power, love. will, love, these are Kabbalistic principles and concepts. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so, um, again, that's why I say once you really start doing comparative studies, you do the comparative studies on just the basic principles and concepts. And if you see how they permeate one religion, you will actually find that there's other mythologies that exist with either 12 deities or 24 deities. This continues on with the, uh, with the Hindu and the Sanskrit. Now, there's literally hundreds of deities, but in their mythological stories, when they're gathered together, they're always in families of 12 or they're in families of six where each, where each uh, deity has a split personality. Like they have a positive side oh, or they have a negative side. Incredible. Um, 
Yeah, and so it's everything splits or leads to this aspect of transformation, which again goes down to the number 12. Because then when we look at, again, comparative things, the number 12, when we apply it to numerology, breaking down of numbers, uh, 12 is 1 plus 2. You just put those together, and that is 3. And the number 3 is what? Creation. Creation, again, goes back to the central point of focus where you get into the trance, and then you could have a transmitted idea come down, and then your light bulb goes off. It's the same ideas that permeate over and over again. Once you just realize on a literal basic uh, intellectual level how meditation can get you to this place, you could do it like in a flash. I had shared with you before we got on the show that I just came back from a spiritual retreat. It's called Long Dance, and a lot of it is uh, rooted in Native American lineage. And it's all centered around this one night called Long Night where we dance from dusk to dawn. And so it becomes this trance dance right around the fire. And then we have the community drum. And everything that I've ever danced for has come true, has <clears> happened. <throat> and so, I, you know, I dance my prayers and my intentions. A lot of women consider this night to be like their New Year's. Um, but it's through getting in that meditative trance for hours. I mean, it's nine hours straight that I'm dancing and praying and, you know, in praise of the divine and, and of what I want my life to be like. And then it, it miraculously comes into physical form not too long after. That's amazing. That is amazing. That actually, um, that ties into the, um, how the power of 12 leads into, like I say, creation. But here's another uh, way that it works. You know, since we are talking about it on the side here, uh, five. The, uh, the number five or the power of five. Uh, the power of five is actually very, very dynamic in creating things. Um, just like you said before, you were dancing. And the things that you danced for, you know, they were created. They manifested. One of the big things that, you know, we do want in meditation is a manifestation. Um, okay. At least those are the things that I look for. Let me say that. I don't know what everyone looks for. But for me, I look for manifestations. You know, um, I look for changes to actually happen. And so the power of five literally boils down into how the body, again, maneuvers. In many uh, metaphysical studies, you know, the power five deals with arm, leg, leg, arm, head. Talking right. about your actual extremities, right. your actual right. extremities. And so, um, again, when we have transformation, you know, I want to keep repeating these things because it's really about that. When we have transformation, we become or reenact the power of five, meaning we have taken control of physical nature. Uh, because phi is uh, fire, um, which is life, which is breath, the control of breath. Uh, you know, in meditation, we can want to control our breath. And it is the uh, five elements, earth, fire, water, air, and ether, the, the our spirit, you know, a safe word, spirit. <laughs> uh, and so when we're dealing with the five elements, uh, especially with meditation and using those to engage our 12 cranial nerves, we can begin to make all of the necessary connections to penetrate within. Um, and literally on a practical level for meditation, you can set up what's called an altar. And an altar, you know, sometimes people shy away from it because they may think it's a, uh, you know, some type of oddity. You know, they may, may not think it's a necessity. But for anyone who is, you know, really, really just wanting to have a sincere or a deep, intense spiritual experience, setting up an altar is dynamic uh, because, again, it boils down to these layers where we're engaging the nature um, of our bodies by engaging nature itself, 
which you know gets us inside of the actual body on a, on a intentional cognitive level. And so uh, building an altar, um, you know, you build it based on fire. You build it based on nature. And you put representations of the five elements on this. You know, you put a piece of earth, meaning you put a flower, you know, something beautiful, something attractive, something soothing to the eye, you know, something that will help you relax. You put air, meaning you put a, an incense, you know, or you put some nice burning oil, you know, something organic that smells sweet. Something that, again, will be calming, you know, something that will make you feel serene. You put water, you know, an actual glass of water, you know, something that be, can actually um, absorb some of the unnecessary, you know, bacteria that is in the air that makes it feel cleaner. You know, something that can physically represent stillness and flow if, if and when you look at it, because you, that's the, what you want to be in a still place where the flow of spirit can resonate freely within you or freely through you. In fire, you should have a candle. And a candle is about the exciting dance of life. <laughs> like, all of this stuff goes back. <laughs> That's funny, because I have, like, this written down. Like, you talked about dance, and I wasn't, uh, um, you know, this is me remixing it in. <laughs> <That's> really... <laughs> yeah, I like those full circle moments. Oh, yeah. man. You know, it's, this uh, is so cool that you've touched on this altar space thing. This is one of the key aspects. When I start working with a client one-on-one, -on -one, one of the first things we get down to almost is this aspect right here. Do you have an altar space that you maintain in your home? And yeah. so many people don't. Like you say, people are either, they're shy away from it because they think it's too weird, too out there, or it's just foreign to them. For some reason, people have been trained that the altar space, the holy space, is only in the church and that you can't bring that into your own home and create your own. But right. it's Or empowering. if you do, it's... Um in service to the dark side or something. <laughs> I don't know, right? That's so funny. Like, here's a funny part. People say, oh, I don't know about an altar, or oh, I've never had one. I bet if you are a listener who ever had a childhood poster that you adored on your wall, oh, yeah. that was an altar. That's an altar. Man. You used it, and you stared at it, and it gave you really good vibes, and it made you feel great about who you were. And it was a representation of you, an extension of what you are. That's an altar. And so, yeah, man. We just got to get back into the intentionality of it as adults. You know, that means for about a year there, I had an altar to Paula Abdul and a Lamborghini. Nice. Nice, man. <laughs> Entertainment and success. <laughs> oh, man. I had Porsche and the Dream Team. Remember USA Dream Team? Oh, I yeah. Had Dream Team 1 and 2. And I had a red, white, and blue Porsche. Look at that. And see, that's another thing, too, man. Just getting back to the knowledge itself, you know, like that random thing that I said before. Tapping into those childhood memories. See how good that feels right now? You know, that's like, man, that's so funny. It is and you funny. you feel all light about it. Like, again, isn't that what you want out of meditation? Don't you want to feel good? Don't you want to feel great? Like, did that take 15 minutes and did we have to chant home a bunch of times? No. We just zapped right into it, you know? And so, like, the intentionality happens when you get into a center point of focus. And anytime you can get into a center point of focus of positive, high vibrational energy, you have effectively tapped into a place of meditation. And so then if you become knowledgeable and aware of it in the moment, you know, these cliches that we hear, you have successfully transformed your energy. We just had a transformation right now. And so it just took us to show up a whole nother level. I feel the energy and I hope you guys do too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm going to borrow your saying about in and as meditation because this is also what I work with my clients on and it's been a, a practice of mine for about a decade where everything I'm doing is a meditation, you know, whether I'm putting carrots in my juicer on repetition, you know, bringing a mantra into everything, the way that I'm bathing myself. Uh, it's like everywhere I go, um, as soon as I'm able to like get into that intentionality, it is a meditation. I mean, focusing on your breath, you can do that anywhere. Exactly. See, and here it is. Here's the funny part. This is how we can get into the mental training. Like you said, everything is a meditation. I'm going to break it back down to you backwards. Remember I gave you the whole scientific names of the brains? Oh, I love it. Here's the major function. The major function is like what it, literally your brain is using what you're doing. And if you do any of these things with an intention of focus, you're meditating. Check this out. If you smell, you can meditate smelling. Yes. Vision. If you're looking at something, you can meditate. Eyelid and eyeball movement. If you literally put your eyes in a specific place, you can meditate. And that specific place is roll your eyes into the back of your head. That's actually mm. a secret. That goes back to our childhood. Many of the times we have childhood memories of just like rolling our eyes in the back of our head and that weird kind of bouncy feeling, you know, that <laughs> resistance that you get. Like that's actually an exercise in meditation. Many people, uh, I get shy away from it, you know, again, because it's one of those awkward feelings. But if you sit in a chair and control your breathing and roll your eyes into the back of your head and leave them there, you will go into one of the deepest trances you will ever have. And so that's, again, one of those places that's, quote unquote, not safe or, you know, you don't do. Because if you uh, go so deep into yourself, you know, you may forget how to just roll your eyes back, so to speak, in a safe, practical way. I'm doing so, it right like, now. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> exactly. See, but you know how to do it because, you know, you've, you've just known how to get deep within yourself. So this is for those who, you know, don't know how to get back, so to speak, or just, oh, what am I doing? I feel this course of energy, you know, that I'm unfamiliar with. I'm feeling something so powerful. How do I control this? You control it by knowing what your brain is actually doing. Mm -hmm. So, again, back to your eyelid and ball, eyeball movement, your superior obliques. Meaning that if you um, hold in your stomach, hold in your stomach and continue to breathe, you can go into a place of meditation. If you turn your eyes laterally, meaning if you look supremely to the left or supremely to the right and exercise those eye muscles, you one, expand your vision, <laughs> but then two, you expand your linear perception on a, on a meditational level. And your linear perception means your practicality. Um, you could see things on the level. You can see that everything is the same. You can see that all of the experiences that we're all having are on this exact same plane. And if we're all on the exact same plane, we're all just one big thing. You know, that's a whole nother level that I'll get to once we get to the center point. But yes, you know, meditation will get you to that place of being level one in your consciousness, level in your body, again, level in your activities. But yes, level with how you see the world. And that's literally just by turning your eyes to the side, left and right in an exercise with the intentionality of focus. Again, uh, your hearing. So hearing, one of my favorite things with hearing is I love binaural beats and isochronic tones. I don't know if you guys love those things, but man, those are so awesome. I'm glad uh, those things were discovered in the uh, early 70s. Uh, doing binaural beats is a great music, you know, that, um, anyone can listen to, um, because binaural beats is not just a, um, 
a quote unquote music. A binaural beats is the invention of finding, you know, the uh, harmonic tones or vibrational wavelengths uh, of the seven major, the seven major tones, the seven major wavelengths of existence, which uh, tie into the chakras. You could meditate, you know, upon these pure wavelengths for again your balancing, um, your body balancing, your spiritual balancing, your consciousness balancing. Um, but listening to these tones, um, it sounds like just dots, like <laughs> like that's literally what it sounds like. But they sound in different frequencies, and those little dots that you hear are going inside your left and your right ear. And as you hear them in a mismatch, you know, vibration or a mismatch pattern, it sparks the left and right side of your brain and begins to ignite all of your cranial nerves. And it ignites them in a massaging kind of way. So if there's any cranial nerves that have been restricted or any cranial nerves that have been stressed, it massages those so it brings them back to a place of balance and a place of normalcy. And when they're in those places, you then can operate more normally. You can function in a transformed state where you are not uh, affected so much by your environment, but you are affecting the environment. And then another level, your blood pressure. If you literally put your finger on your, you know, on your wrist and just listen to your blood pressure, you could fall into a trance because you're listening to literally the interior of yourself. You're listening to your heart chakra. You're listening to the harmonic tone of love, which is actually the easiest tone to feel, the easiest tone to understand because everyone resonates it just by touch, just by touching themselves. Every time you touch yourself, you feel love. That energy that comes back to you, that's what love is because you are your own existence. And the only thing that can maintain existence is the energy of love. So, um, again, that's a practical thing, you know. So touching your actual self and feeling your blood pressure, you one, will actually effectively lower your blood pressure if you're in a state of focus. Uh, but then, like I say, you just by touching yourself can use another practical tool to get into a state of trance, another state of transformation. Um, it's like that internal metronome, you know? It's like we have a given tool right in our own body. You don't even need to look outside of yourself. I think there's yeah. another thing, too, is people people seem to want other solutions, like external solutions to all of their internal problems these days. But the solution's right there. You have the tools within you. You just need to know how to connect with them and know how to utilize the tool that you're given. Oh, Perfect, man. That's that's why it goes back to, again, like that symbology of what I started with, you know, with the Christian doctrine and the uh, the power of 12 and the 12 disciples. And I gave all those names. You know, it's the same thing. It's not about, you know, worshiping these characters. It's about learning what energies they represent. It's about learning what vibrational frequencies they are. It's learning about what aspect of your brain matter that you can stimulate. And when you learn about it that way, it becomes so much more than just, you know, like you say, a worship experience. It becomes a dynamic, internal, holy cow, I could actually feel myself. You know, like I say, it goes back to know thyself. Yeah, well, and then once you are able to identify these different qualities within yourself, you're, you're more able to clearly recognize where there's maybe some imbalances and then how to how to rectify that. Exactly. You engage it. You know, you engage yourself fully. You know, you fully engage yourself. You take ownership of who you are. You know, now, again, you know, I don't definitely uh, try to put down religion so much. I used to do that a lot when I first transformed. You know, most people who come out of religion when they wake up, that's the first thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of anger and things of that nature. Just just because, you know, you just feel like you've been lied to or whatever. And then you feel resentment because it's like, well, if it's fake, 
how have I been or how's everybody else being successful? You know, so who are they really playing to? And then you just have like a whole bunch of different questions. And so you're just kind of in a bad place, you know. So, but if you again persist, you know, in, you know, engaging these techniques, you know, and engaging yourself, digging deeper within yourself, you know, you heal all of those things, you know, and then you realize what they really are. Because again, all is self, you know, all is one. You know, if religion exists, that means it's a necessary part of this existence. You know, no matter how much people in the conscious or spiritual community want to, you know, separate or detest it. If there's something in the world that we see exist, that means it's legit. You know, that means it's supposed to happen. Like, not saying it's supposed to happen like we're supposed to just let it pass and let it be. But like, that's something that, quote unquote, God created. You know, so if God created, there's a reason for it to exist, whether to exterminate its existence, you know, or to understand its existence and integrate it, regardless of which it is something that has to be dealt with. It is something that has to be acknowledged. And that's such a hard one for people to digest. Like, whoo, everyone just take a breath, because that is a really uh, a challenging one to wrap your brain around that that everything here is in existence because it is an aspect of the divine and and is meant to serving a purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's um again, that's that single point, you know. The understanding, like you say, of the center point. We have these twelve cranial nerves, you know, these twelve mythologies, these twelve powers, these twelve deities, blah blah blah. The center point is the thirteen. The center point is the quote unquote Jesus. Mm. The center point is, you know, the triumphant character. The center point is Ophucus. The center point is literally scientifically the corpus calypsum. So when we deal with meditation, when we deal with um, mythology, when we deal with ourselves, the actual place we're trying to get to is the Christ. And the Christ on a scientific level is the corpus calypsum, the center point of the brain. And the center point of the brain there is the bridging point of the two hemispheres. And so when you actually bridge the two hemispheres of your brain via meditation, these six cranial nerves that are on both sides can now literally communicate across the board to each other. And you will now have a full neural network going on inside of your head. You now have the full 12 disciples, if you will. Correct. Correct. You have now flipped, so to speak, the energy. Like you, instead of just having these emotions and, and having these feelings and having all of this stuff happen to you, you know, All of it turns, and now you see just situations, and now you see yourself in control, and now you are the one controlling your projections, and you are the one staying poised, just like the Christ stays poised. The Christ just in mythology, you know, across the board mythology, they all have the same powers, where they can transform people, they can heal situations, you know, they can do all of these wonderful things. All of those, um, you know, grand aspects are the aspects of the inner qualities of a transformed consciousness. You are the triumphant one every time you stay poised through some crappy stuff. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like on a very practical level, you know, like it is just that deep and it is that profound, but it's just an everyday thing. Like it really is. And so when you engage all of these things, like just say with intentionality, let's just say for the next 12 days, you know, you, you just Google, you know, 12 cranial nerves, you get the chart and you just set a, you set it up on your calendar. Okay. This day I'm going to focus on blank, 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 seeing, you know, just right in the comparative chart and you find a way to intentionally meditate in a practical way throughout your day. 
you know, twice a day through those 12 things, I guarantee you will have so much more of an intense feeling of your true spiritual nature that you will just be like, holy crap. Like you will not, you will not even realize how alive you are and like, like how much you've been missing, just how alive you are, because you could literally realize that there's one, a world that we're experiencing outside, but there's also one inside too. Like it's yeah, a whole a vast world. It's a whole situation that's going on inside. <laughs> and the wild thing, the wild thing that's hard to wrap our brain around too, is that that world that's inside of us is the thing that interprets the world that's outside of us. So yes. any given event, you know, a flower pot falls off a window and breaks on the ground. 20 people standing around that are going to see a different thing. They're going to feel a different thing. They're going to have different connotations to that. So our internal universe interprets and filters the external world. And then likewise feeds it, <laughs> feeds it back. <laughs> Correct. And here's another thing. Oh man, see, oh, this is so, so perfect. Just how you said people have those different perspectives. Well, there's a reason why we have different perspectives. It's not just because, oh, we're all different. Like, yeah, that's true. But on a very, again, practical level, it's about the personality types that are associated with this power of 12. What else exists in the power of 12? The Zodiac. I was hoping you were gonna go there. I was oh, yeah. that okay. was next on my <laughs> on my tongue, yeah. Now wait just a minute. Before we go any deeper, I got one tie in that I'd love to drop here. Rachel and I recently went on a amazing race trip with our kids around Europe. And in Prague, right in the old town square, there is the astronomical clock. And this thing is a marvel. It's an oh, absolute it. engineering marvel. But the thing is, man, I could have spent hours just looking at this clock because not only does it tell the time, it also tells... Which is also 12 and 24. Right, 12 and 24. It also tells the the month and it also tells like the day throughout the year. There's so many different dials on this clock and it's ancient. And each hour, a.k.a. each month, has an apostle, has a picture of one of the apostles, the disciples, doing a different action correlating to a season, correlating to a personal attribute. Yeah, at a different time of day. Oh yeah, you you would love it. It's like right <laughs> up your alley. So I just wanted to drop that in there too before we go back into this. Yeah, man. This is this this is just what it this is where it's at. You know, this is really what it is. And so like, yeah, the the perspectives, you know, go back to the zodiac. You know, the same thing could happen and twelve different people will look at it and all twelve will have a different thing. But wait a minute, if you see the same thing and five hundred people look at it, five hundred different people will have, you know, five hundred different things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just twelve, it's layers. And when we understand the different layers, we can understand how all of this stuff extrapolates and expounds upon with ourselves. Because we got what? We have 12 with the powers of the brain. That's level one. We have 12 with powers of mythology. That's level two. We have 12 with the powers of astrology. That's level three. Um, those three levels go into um, mind, body, and soul, which then attach to the power of self, which is five. And so then we go to five, which is five. That gives it to the control of the actual body. And then when we control the actual body, we then transform into the transcendent self. The transcendent self is the completion of consciousness, which is considered, quote unquote, seven. <laughs> and then you, uh, quote unquote, live again, which is expansion, which is nine. Now, again, I know I'm dealing with like cliches, but all in with these basic cliches, they tie into all of the numerological levels if we just basically do just comparative charts. And when we have the comparative chart, 
we could just pinpoint where it exists on the body. We can pinpoint where it exists in our personality type. And then we could practically integrate why we see what we're seeing. On a practical level, let's say that um, that pot falls. The pot falls. Me, I am a Sagittarius. And so I know from my Sagittarius mind, I usually look at things in a calm way. So when that thing falls, I don't jump. I just kind of look at it in like, just kind of like, okay, how did that happen? Why did that happen? You know, but let's say a Leo looks at it. A Leo will look at it. They may jump. They may question. They may be like, was it a ghost? I was like, who did it? Why are you looking for it? You know, like, <laughs> but if you layered layered on their zodiac chart, you will actually know, typically speaking, because there's always very multiple variations, um, but typically speaking, that person who's attached to a zodiac has a perspective that usually reacts to a certain brain section, meaning like they're oriented from like their ocular motor, meaning that's the part that's actually fueling their actual brain. Um, so when you get, just look at a cranial nerve chart um, attached to a zodiac chart, like this, all of this stuff, just Google it. If you just Google it, you can literally see what your perspective type is uh, on the world. And I guarantee you, like it is, you know, with most zodiac, 89% of the time, you're going to be like, dang, that's for real. That is why I look at something like that. Well, and, and I'm so, a Virgo, so the Virgo would probably think we got to clean this mess up. <laughs> See, exactly. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> I said, who's going to clean it up? <laughs> like, I was like, I'm not cleaning it up. Like, you go clean that up? So, and, and that's, again, goes back to this whole we are one thing, you know, the whole all this self thing. When, when we understand that we have different projections and different uh, ways of viewing the world, when we interact with each other and be cognizant and, you know, understand on a practical subatomic level, all we're doing is transmitting a fraction of light being oriented through a personality type. Mm -hmm. We could better interact with people and we could better practice this namaste, you know, again, which is a goal of meditation, you know, and it's not just because I chanted and I owned, I practically understood how light is being transmitted down from the cosmos into a person. And I can understand how their brain matter is just churning the gears and because their gears turn differently from mine does not mean that they're deficient. It does not mean that they're separate. It does not mean anything. It just means that light is being sent to them and light is being sent to me. But that same light came from the same place. And that same place is the center point of the brain. Oh, man, that is absolutely beautiful. I love how now we've taken this. I've used this metaphor before where every single person, like we've broken this down, has a specific lens now. Say it even, call it a color. Each individual human being on this planet has one specific shade or specific color, right? And if you shined a light through that lens, you would see that color represented out. Well, pure white light, pure white light is the combination of all colors. So mm -hmm. if even one of those colors is withheld and doesn't contribute, there's no pure white light. There's no ascension. So it takes right. each and every single one of us on this planet to give what we have to contribute our individual energy, our individual lens to make it all work. And here's the funny part. Just like you say, in order to give as much light as possible, we have to go into the darkness, which is meditation. Oh, yeah. We have to go into the total opposite. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. again, when we learn more about ourselves, that know thyself, when we learn more about just how the zodiac works, when we learn more about our personality type, when we learn more about our past experiences and our childhood affiliances, we can tap into deep 
deep, deep emotions. And when we tap into those deep, deep, deep emotions, on again, mental consciousness level, we can penetrate further into darkness. And we can penetrate further into darkness without fear, without hesitation, without reservation, because we know where we're going, because we're going to a happy place. And when we tap into those happy places deep within inside of ourselves, we begin again that transformation because when we use our mind literally and our imagination literally to go deep as far as we can and plant seeds of intention, you know, ideas, seeds of, you know, positivity and just negativity, bad ideas as well. Seeds of anything. When we just go deep with inside ourselves and plant seeds of anything, the closer we are to core, the much more profound impact it will have transmitted outward into our physical body. And so, yes, if we want to transmit as much light as we possibly can, it is we got to go deep within ourselves and build up that strength so it can be expressed in the world. So, yes, man. Yeah, and then when you go into the darkness, you know, you bring the you bring your flashlight of illumination and you get to shine it all around and and say, oh, that the boogeyman that's been hiding in there isn't actually so scary. Exactly. It's also a thing where you go into the darkest of, of rooms, the darkest of caves. If you have one single matchstick, you can light up that whole cave. Yeah, that's all you need, you know. That's, um, that's the funny part about it, you know. All you need is yourself. You know, for me, like in some of the work that I've done with my consciousness, you know, when I first started doing it and, you know, I quote unquote found my light. Like, that's all it looked like, you know, just a tiny little dot. Yeah. Like, it was just literally this little thing, you know. Uh, But once I just continue to do work, you know, continue to just apply myself to learning more about myself, just applying myself with going within, applying myself by doing more, imagine using my imagination to send light down into myself. You know, I see my light growing. That's the whole wonderful power of, like, your mind. You know, in your brain, when using intention in meditation, like I say, when using this as meditation model, like like I said, what I like to try to use, because, again, it breaks down all it breaks through all the mythology. You know, it breaks through the whole like I, I don't I don't like to use spiritual terms. You know, like I say, namaste, like I don't use that term. Like, you know, I may have it on like my Instagram just for the sake of, you know, gathering those people. <laughs> but like, I don't say that to people, you know, like if you were to see me on the street, you wouldn't expect me to be, you know, some type of hypervigilant meditation professional because uh, again i want to get to the transcendent place and when we are in that transcendent place more of our authentic personality will come out you know and so it's not to say that anyone who transforms into a more shamanistic you know way of life is fake but all i'm saying is if you start to dig deep within yourself and a whole new set of interests start to emerge that's not a sign that you have made a mistake you know, that's a sign that you are getting to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. if all of a sudden, you know, you are a passive person and you start meditating a lot and now you're aggressive and, you know, you want to get things done. That's not a sign that like you somehow approached the wrong spirit, you know, or you contacted the wrong God or something like, no, you've you've transformed into more of yourself. And so when we really perform meditation just on a mental, intentional, practical way, you know, we will really see that we're just digging deeper to bring more out and when we bring more out we invite ourselves to more situations to change and and that's all and again that's all i'm about man we got to change 
So it sounds like there no, are... I keep saying man. I'm sorry. Lovely lady, too. I said that 14 <laughs> times. That dog on patriarchy is something serious. It so. is, you know. And the group of women that I that I walk with, a lot of them still say, hey, guys, hey, you guys, right? And the, yeah. And it's been really brought to our attention. I have not ever been, nor will I ever be, a guy... And so we catch ourselves and we say, hey, Gaia's, right? It's it's a fun, oh, nice. it's a fun way if you're like going down that, that road and you want to turn back real quick. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I am a lady and I'm here. Yes, yes. The divine feminine is, I don't even want to get into comparative stuff like that, but I love the divine feminine. Something, spe- something special. Oh, yeah. man, she is so great to me. Yeah. Oh, whew, yeah, serious. <laughs> we, would be, we would be at a real loss without that energy. Oh, real loss. That's a whole other episode right there. Oh, it is. Yes. And so speaking of, we got to have you back sometime because this has been so fast-paced. I feel like we could go on for four more hours, you know, so we're going to have you back for sure. So one thing I want to touch on really quick that I think is interesting is, uh, you know, it sounds like there's so many reasons to meditate. There's so many benefits to meditation. Well, I recently saw one of your videos and you said, bear with me, there's no point to meditation. What can you tell me about that? <laughs> that was a... That was a perfect play on words because um, there's no point because let's say we go to the whole like Buddha mythology, right? The whole Buddha mythology, he reached the point of, quote unquote, letting go. And letting go, when we get into a transcendent space or transcendent place, let's say we get into the full blown trance. When you're in a full blown trance, you're no longer like on earth anymore. You're no longer in in like physicality you're in something totally different so there is no point because the point that you're thinking about is what are you going to get in a physical term the point is the point is what am i going to do what am i going to have and so the whole thing about like i say do it and focus on the shoes so you can get into a trance you know you want to transform the only way that you can get these outcomes that i'm talking about is if you Go in and then let go of every single intention that you actually have. And when you get to the place of letting go of every full intention, that's when you fully enter the trance. And then that's when light can actually come down, start to practically ignite and transform these cranial nerves, and then give you the change in your physical experience. So there is no point because if you hold on to it, you won't get the change that you actually desire. Let it go. Yeah, that reminds me of a song. It goes, freedom doesn't come from hanging on. You got to let go. Let go. Yeah. Yeah. Got to let go. Got to let go. So, um, so yeah, there is no point. <laughs> That's so funny, man. I love that one. People like that one, too. There's no point. You got to just let go. You realize that you start off as the center point of consciousness, and then you let that consciousness expand. And oh. once you let it expand, you'll realize that you're in a sea. Or you realize that you are the sea of consciousness. You know, you're you're an individualized expression of consciousness. You are not separate from it. You are swimming and basking and growing and contracting and transmuting inside of it. It's all one thing. So yes, Sounds you find awesome. your you find your <laughs> physical orientation, and then you let that crap go. <laughs> 
Hey, so something uh, that I work with my women on, and I invite them into this practice, is trying on different archetypes, right? And so I, so I'll send them a whole list of of like the archetypes of the goddess and the archetypes of the god, right? The the feminine and the masculine, and um, and so I know that you work with archetypes as well, and I would love to hear what you have to say about that. Oh yes, archetypes. Um, archetypes again go back to the whole. You know, vibrational frequencies. I alluded, I said something real short about it, you know, like chakras and things of that nature. Right. But um, archetypes, uh, again, they go back to a symbol or an actual vibrational frequency that you tap into that resonates with a power of your own self, either a personality trait that you may need to, you know, charge up, either a actual physical quality that you need to charge up, or like you say, a change that you must make, like a vibration that you really need to get in alignment with and so many of these mythological characters like you say when understood on this level they're no more than frequencies that we as you know people of consciousness have agreed to allow them to represent and then we use those as focus points for us to go with inside of ourselves find that frequency as it already exists and strengthen our awareness of it that's why, again, archetypes exist for basic personality traits. Faith, strength, wisdom, love, power, imagination, understanding, will, order, zeal, elimination, life. Like, those are personality traits. Those mm-hmm. are personality traits, and those are things that can be practically used. So a god or a goddess, when understood as a power, when understood as a vibration, and not understood as an idol, can be found within ourselves. And so, yes, the gods and goddesses, when we learn about them, you know, learn the mythologies, you know, learn, um, you know, the histories, learn the culture that they came out of. Like, don't just quote unquote, read the Bible, you know, read the culture that the people had, you know, don't just read about, you know, um, Isis, Horus and Set, you know, don't just Wikipedia them, you know, learn about actually what the people of Egypt did. You know, don't just read about the Buddha, you know, learn about the people that he led over before he left the kingdom. You know, learn about what was going on in those times. Learn about the psyche that those people had, you know, in those times. Learn about those conditions. So, because when you learn about those things, when you learn about other ways of living, you know, people's other ways of life, you one, you know, break into that hole again, learning that all itself, you know, we're all doing the same thing. It just expressed in different ways. But then two, you fuel your imagination some more. You give your imagination more things to work with to help you tap into those same frequencies that we're trying to get into. You know, that when we look at these gods, when we do all of those things, we create more of an intimate, practical, intellectual connection that we can use, that we can go and then center ourselves in meditation, literally gather up all of those memories and all of that knowledge. And then go to that transcendent place and then let it all go so that we can go into a trance. And then that trance with the intention of all of those things that we just accumulated will help us transform and be whatever God or goddess you want. (laughs) Yeah, you get to choose. Yeah, you can. This is all you do whatever you want. You do whatever you want in this life. (laughs) You do whatever you want. Like, yes, these whole fear constructs, like, it sucks that this stuff is so, you know, so it it exists so much, man. These whole fear constructs got to be kind of pushed back. You know, they have to be really understood that there's nothing out here to hurt you other than you attracting it to yourself. You know, a a quote unquote demon, you know, or a devil, you know, or whatever. 
you know, form of negativity can only come to you if you attracted it. If, if, and that's just what we don't have to own. You know, a lot of people don't want to own it. A lot of people say, oh, self-fulfilling prophecy, but then don't want to own like law of attraction. Right. You know, like those, those are the exact same things. One is just the old school term and then one is a new school term. <laughs> like nothing's changed here, people. <laughs> you know, so it's like once we really start to dig deep into these things and again, learn more about ourselves, we'll learn what we're attracting, you know, and we'll learn how to better attract things in and out of our lives. And, uh, and we'll learn how to empower ourselves more. And uh, doing all of these things, taking it inside to meditation, it leads to that again, transformation. Keep saying. <laughs> so how can people contact you, Ahmad? How can people find out more about your work and get in on your meditation program? Because you are a wealth of knowledge, my friend. And I think there's just, we've just tapped the surface today. Oh, yeah. Just the broad general brushstroke here. But so I know that there's some listeners out there that are going to want more of what you have to offer. How can they find you? Uh, yes, yes. I have uh, my YouTube page. We meditate. There hasn't been too, too many updates on there as of late because most of my focus has switched to Instagram. For those who have Instagram, I do a daily videos uh, there. Um, again, you know, because my focus is on this practicality thing, you know, so I'm on a practicality fling right now. So um, if you really want to see me update regularly, you know, uh, Instagram and Facebook is actually where you will find me most right now. Same name. We meditate one word. But yes, yeah, so I have those. And yes, I am debuting my meditation curriculum. Uh, I'm offering individual classes for a myriad of things that you may desire as far as your personal healing and your personal empowerment and your personal breakthroughs. You know, I'll offer a library of meditation classes that will help you with those endeavors, both for uh, individual and group sessions. Um, all you have to do is literally go to either uh, one of my social networks and you'll find all of the information in the classes there. And I will be on the road. Um, I'm actually doing a Kundalini activation training classes. I actually just had a class in Oakland and I am going to New York shortly uh, where I'll be teaching small group classes in Kundalini activation, you know, Kundalini energy. You know, again, that's raising the Shakti, raising the divine feminine, having a, essentially just another level of self-engagement with this divine feminine and the darkness of meditation and being conscious of being aware of yourself in uh, deeper levels of trance. You know, I do Kundalini training classes as well. Uh, those are only offered in person because that's a little more intimate. Uh, but if, once again, you can find me via Facebook, via Instagram, and yes, via YouTube. My name is Ahmad Blair Brown. I'm Div, and I am here for you via We Meditate. Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, what an itinerary. I love it. <laughs> I am Daniel Alcian. You can reach out to me on Facebook. You can check out the Ecstatic Existence Facebook page. You'll see all of our newest episodes and all kinds of inspiring content, sometimes by people like Ahmad, or lovely co-host here, Rachel. Uh, you can reach out to me at ecstaticexistence.com. That's my website. There's a free download for you there of a powerful meditation mudras in the metaphysical workshop. Just sign up for that email list and get that. Also, schedule yourself a self-discovery session. This is a in-depth questionnaire that'll go over the aspects of your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual life. And then you'll meet with me in a two-hour Skype session one-on-one, -on -one, and we will reset your compass and choose the direction to the new you. Reach out.
Yeah, and I'm Rachel Alcian, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I love connecting there. You can also find me at my website, rachelalcian.com, where you'll find uh, my list of services. Uh, currently, the thing that I'm most excited about is my seven self-care success secrets for holistic luxury and vibrant sexuality. That's getting started September 7th. Yeah, wow. I have been really polishing and refining this program for the last two years since its conception and birth, and I'm so pleased with it. And so, yeah, get registered for that. And then I also, mid-month, uh, mid-September, I'm going to be in Los Angeles, and I have one VIP day left for one special lady, if that interests you. Um, and then I also do private uh, VIP retreats as well. So I have a, a few dates that are left in September and uh, into November. So yeah, I would love to spend a day or a weekend with you. And definitely if you want more community uh, sisterhood support, then the Selvin Self-Care Success Secrets is going to be the way to go. Also, we have just recently started up a Patreon page for the show for the ecstatic existence podcast we bring all this conscious content to you absolutely for free it's a free download i release at least one video a week of a new mudra or a new meditation topic a new metaphysical subject rachel does the same ahmad's out there releasing all kinds of free information so the people that are churning out this kind of content it's good to show support it's good to keep it going and show that you believe in the empowerment, and the enlightenment of humankind. So find our Patreon. It's Ecstatic Existence Patreon. You can pledge anywhere from a dollar up to $100 a month. There's different kickbacks and bonuses that come to you at different levels too. Yeah, so, some really juicy bonuses. It's super exciting. Thank you all so much for listening. Our global family is growing every single week. We have downloads from across the globe. So take some time. Leave a review on iTunes. That helps expand really the reach helpful. of the show. It gets us higher up in the search rankings when people look for alternative health or spiritual content. And share it with a friend. Tell yeah. everyone you know. Everyone. Say, hey, have you heard the show Ecstatic Existence? It's, it's the awesome. Best. It's, it's the totally best. It's totally changing my life. you got to get on board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much. We'll be back next week, and we love you. Be well. now you see yourself in control and now you are the one controlling your projections you realize that you start off as the center point of consciousness and then you let that consciousness expand 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 and then you let that consciousness expand